be able to talk about being part of a team, okay? So Philippians 1.27, and before we begin, we can pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for the privilege of being able to share your word. I ask you, please, to keep me out of the way because my words don't change people. Yours does. Please help the words that come out of my mouth to be your words and help us to obey you with them, not just to hear them, but to obey them and help you to be glorified through this time. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 1, I, I always like to make this joke. I'm going to, uh, it's a little test. Uh, la primera cosa que me quisiera hacer eh, es hablar con ustedes en español. Eh, lo todo que me entiende, levanta la mano. My family better is there? Yeah. Eh, do not worry, I'm, I'm not speaking in an unknown tongue. This is an untranslatable tongue. Or it's just a little test. Uh, seeing all the people can understand me, please raise your hand. Uh, this is in Spanish. Do not worry. I will not be preaching it in Spanish. I'm translating it. But uh, what I want to preach about in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 27, is the focus being, or being part of a team. You can kind of have the, the, the dual uh, title here is the focus or being part of a team. Why do we do what we do? Why are we here? I mean, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that probably ask that, right? Why are you, why are you having service? Why are you getting together? Why are you doing these things? Why do, we, why do we have our visitation time? Why do we give tracts out to people? Why do we witness to people? Why do we do these things? What is the point? Well, I am, I'm not going to be arguing with people about this, but as far as the book of Philippians, I know that one of the themes is obviously talking about joy. But joy in what? I believe either a theme or maybe the theme, obviously, in the book of Philippians is also the gospel. The gospel is extremely important to the Apostle Paul. He says, they, I mean, they tried to stop him. He says, okay, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He says, well, what, we are going to stop you. And by the way, Paul said this, and I, I, I unfortunately cannot say this. I don't know if anyone here that, that may be able to say this. But Paul said, no matter where I've gone, I have never failed to preach the gospel. That's saying something. He would not be stopped. He was on fire about preaching the gospel. And so the, the authorities tried to shut him up. They tried to shut him down. They said, fine, <clears throat> we're going to put you in jail. Okay, that's great. I'm just going to preach to my guards. Captive audience. I'm not the captive one. They are. You know, we, we talked about this yesterday, Pastor, and I were talking about situations that come through our lives that we think, oh, this is bad. This is very bad. And then we have to apologize later because God says, you know what? No, I, this is a good thing. If, you, if this hadn't happened, you wouldn't have been able to talk to that guy. If your car hadn't broken down, you wouldn't have been a witness to the mechanic. Or if you hadn't had a, a physical ailment, you wouldn't be able to witness to this nurse. It's like, but, but no, this is bad. No, it's not. Because Paul says, you know, my entire life is all about witnessing to people. And he says, you want to put me in jail? Great. As, as one pastor was jokingly saying, now I get a prison ministry. You're not going to stop him. Okay, fine. Then we'll preach instead of you. Okay, that's great. I, let everyone preach. I don't care how many people preach. Let everybody tell everybody about the gospel. It's not about me. It's about God. Okay, fine. We're going to kill you. Right, see, live is Christ, to die is gain. I got to go with God. That's even better. He even said this. He's talking to the, the, the Philippians. He says, you know, don't worry about me. What happened to me happened for the furtherance of the gospel. He says, I joy and rejoice for your fellowship in the gospel, but don't worry because this is actually helping the gospel. And for me, I got two choices. I can either stay around with you guys or I can go be with God, which is so much better. 
But you know what? Since you guys need the help, I'm going to stick around. He didn't even bother to figure out what the authorities were going to say because they have nothing to do with all this. As we talked about before, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. God's in charge. So he says, you know what? I know that I'm supposed to stick around and help you guys. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to stick around. These people have no say in it. God does. How are you going to stop a guy like that? You can't. And I want to encourage us because we're part of a team. What should our focus be as Christians? We're part of a team. Yes, I am a missionary over in Bolivia, but you know what? As Pastor said it before, and I agree with him, you guys are supposed to do that here. You just happen to do it in a different area. Different culture, same message, same team. So if we're talking about having a team, we see here in verse number 27 of chapter 1, how are we supposed to walk? It's important to know what the rules are, right? Now, I was talking with some of the guys uh, yes, this morning, actually, talking about you know, basketball. Obviously, basketball is very big here. I love basketball. I love sports in general. You know what? You're not allowed to kick the ball in basketball. It's illegal, right? Can't kick the ball. It's against the rules. But try playing soccer without using your feet, using just your hands, unless you're the goalie. Bad idea. Doesn't work. Why? Two different games. You have to know what the rules are. As a believer, we're part of the body of Christ. We're part of the team that's supposed to reach people with the gospel. So being part of that team, it's important to first off understand what the rules are. How are we supposed to walk? Number one, it says in verse number 27, only let your conversation or the way you live, the manner of life, be as it becometh the gospel. What does that mean, becometh? It, well, in Spanish, I like the way it's worded there. It says digno, which means worthy. Basically, act worthy of the gospel. Act like you're supposed to. You know, we had this going on with uh, Harry and his wife and all this with the royals and the big hullabaloo of uh, they're doing this, they're, the, the, the royals are going to shun them. You know what? When we see a royal family, they're supposed to act a certain way, right? Well, guess who we are? <laughs> We're royal. We are children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So what does that make us? We're part of the royal family. We are Christians. By the way, that used to be a derogatory term. Oh, you Christ followers. Yes, thank you. <laughs> We're part of God's family, and being part of his family, what we do reflects on him. And I guarantee you, you know, if I go off and I, I'm, I'm traveling around, if I go and get gas or things like that, and I talk to somebody, I do this at different places I go to, and, and I'll say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching o I'm over at this church over here. Or, or yeah, this. You know what? People know this church. Oh, well, this church does. No, yeah, people know this church, and people know you. If a person that you knew, let's say your neighbor or someone that knows you go to church here, if I were to try to witness to them, would your testimony help me or hurt me? Your testimony is important. You should act in a way that, well, that, that, that's different. That's Christian living. No, that's all part of the gospel. If your life doesn't match what this says, why should I listen to you? And this is what Paul is saying. He says, I want you, and this is talking to the Philippians. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I haven't found it, but I haven't found one condemnation to the Philippian believers here. You know, with a lot of other churches, he would say, okay, you're okay here, you're okay there, but this is a problem here. I, except for the very end when he's talking to these ladies saying, hey, quit fighting with each other. Help each other instead of fighting with each other. I don't see another problem in here. But he's saying, you guys, act right. Act, walk worthy of the Lord. Act like you're supposed to. You're a child of God. What you do is important. Oh, well, I, I'm not really important. I'm not the pastor. I'm not the deacon. I'm not. A... That's not the point. We're part of the body of Christ. 
Now, I jokingly say this, but if I'm hammering a nail and I hit the wrong nail, I'm sure you've done that? Oh, it's no big deal. I've got nine others. No, it hurts. I am holding that thing. Why? Because it's part of my body. Guess what? When you don't show up to church, it affects this church. When your testimony, when you have a bad testimony in front of the world, it hurts this church. It hurts the cause of Christ. It hurts the cause of reaching people with the gospel. We're on the same team. We're supposed to be working together. So you should know the rules. And the rules are to walk as, as a child of God. Walk worthy of the vocation. This is, our, by the way, we talked about vocation. We talked about uh, our, our brother who had that, uh, he just got his journeyman's, I believe it was. Yeah, that's a vocation. Guess what? This is our vocation. This is our job. We're on the same team. And I want to encourage you to walk worthy. And not only that, but also uh, let her be here. It's like, regardless of who's watching. It says here, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. Now, we've all done this, but when we're getting ready to do something wrong, what do we do? Right? And I jokingly say this, but what's the one thing we forgot? I do it. We, we, we pretend as if God, no, no, he doesn't see this. No one's around, okay? You know, we, we're watching something. We're going to turn the screen this direction. We're going to shut the door. We're going to, as if you could hide it. You know, it shouldn't matter whether or not pastor's there or not to whether you're listening to a certain type of music or watching a certain type of movie. I hope I'm not stepping on toes, but this is the way it is. If you are doing something you're not supposed to and you wouldn't do it, <laughs> I understand, everyone has different standards. That's different. But if you know it's wrong and you wouldn't do it if someone was watching, don't do it. It shouldn't matter whether someone's watching or not. And on letter C, working together, it says that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Once again, the gospel, it's right there. Striving together, working together, what? For the gospel. Reaching people with the gospel. We're a team. We'll talk about this a little bit later, but if you have a team that's fighting with each other, one of two things is true. One, they're probably losing. Or two, they're probably going to lose. <laughs> Why? Because they're not working as a team. Over in Bolivia, they had their soccer team. They're getting much better with this, but they're, or this could happen with any sport. Let's say you got the ball and you got three defenders. That means somebody's open, right? No, I got this. I got this. And you try it on your own and you mess up and... You lose. Why? Because I've got this. It's not about you. It's about the team. Let's say that um, if I have some 300-pound lineman, I'm about maybe 5'10", about 200-something pounds. So let's say if we got this 300-pound lineman's coming at my quarterback, he's going to kill him. <laughs> okay. I can try to block him and get trampled, or I could do self-preservation and, you know, ole, here we go. You know what? I'm probably not going to be on Sports Center here. It's probably going to be the quarterback with his incredible pass and the wide receiver with his incredible catch, et cetera. But maybe I give my quarterback a couple seconds. Now, is it going to look really good? No. But if we win, that's the point. And this is the point working together. This should not be a competition of, well, I'm more important than somebody else. I, I always give this example. You know the bathroom back there? It's clean. So what? Well, that means somebody cleaned it. Well, that's not important. 
Try having a church service without a clean bathroom and find out how many people show back up the next service. Right? Oh, but that's not important. Yes, it is. I believe it's just as important as up here preaching. It's a servant. It's working together. It's part of the ministry. And I want to encourage you in that, that it's not about me being the most important one. I can get, you know, Pastor, being up here, you know, you're saying, you're preaching, people can get the big head. It's all, oh, oh, this is such a wonderful sermon. Get out of the way. Quit getting in the way. For example, my son, when we try to lift something up heavy, and my son can come over, I can lift it up by myself. But if he's there, I've got to back up a little bit, you know, and ten- he's actually not helping sometimes, but sometimes he does. He's actually pretty strong for his size. But you know what? Sometimes we get in God's way. I can do this for you. It's like, no, <laughs> no, that's not what I want you to do because it's all about us, and it shouldn't be about us. It should be about working together as a team. Now, we have distractions. There's two different, we're just going to talk about the external distraction and the internal distraction. External distraction, verse number 28. It says, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. So obviously they think, we're nuts. <laughs> You're doomed. It's all over, but we know differently. There's their perception, and then there's the reality. We know the reality. We know we're on the winning side. We know it's okay. But some people, they think, You're nuts. Like, no. As Paul would say, you know, the preaching is to those that are perishing, foolishness. You're crazy. They have their idea of it. But watch what happens. He says, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Now remember who's talking here. This is Paul. Remember the list of all the things that happened to Paul? I've been shipwrecked this many times. I've been beaten this many times, stoned to death this time. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Time, I didn't sign up for this. He says, you're going to have struggles. You know, sometimes I think, and we all do it, we tend to think that the bad things, I put them there, it's wrong. God somehow messed up because we're not supposed to have bad things happen. Not supposed to suffer. No. If you go to, let's say, you go to a, someone else's stadium and you're playing football, basketball, whatever, okay, do you expect the other team's fans to cheer for you? No. Not even close. They're going to boo you. They're going to be saying all kinds of not nice things, okay? Why? Because they're not on your team. They don't want you to succeed. So why do we get discouraged when people, when this world goes against us? I would say this is a good thing. You know, I have some players I know that they intentionally like to get the other team, uh, team's fans riled up. When they're yelling, it's because, hey, this is a good thing. Why? Because I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to do. This is the whole point. We as Christians should not be getting all worked up. Well, this person is hurting me and that person's hurting me. Do we have, we'll talk about it later, but do we have the right to be treated without being rude? Yeah. But it's not about that. It's about the team. And you shouldn't get all worked up. You know, by, like I said, if they're getting upset, you're probably doing something right. If the world is okay with what you're doing, I'd be concerned. Because that means you're probably not doing what you're supposed to do. Because if they're okay with it, it's probably not good. But it says here, what's the solution to getting attacked? Well, the solution is to focus on Christ. Go to Christ. He is our fortress to protect us from all this. It says, verse number 1 of chapter 2, If there be, therefore, after he's told them, you're going to (laughs) suffer. If there be, therefore, 
any consolation in Christ. What's cons consolation mean? Comfort. Does God comfort us? Absolutely. The Bible says in this, in this very book, it says, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep or guard your hearts and minds. It doesn't make sense, but it's there. Could God comfort you? Yes. When you're having struggles, go to him. If there are any comfort of love, does God love us? <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It says also that even when we were, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. It says in the book of Romans, there's absolutely, positively nothing created that can ever separate us from God's love, ever. So if you think about this, what's the only thing that's not created? God. Now, you think in the same chapter, Romans 8, you see here, it says, God the Father is the judge. He declared us righteous. You want to tell him no? I don't think so. God the Son paid the price. Are you going to tell him it's not enough? I don't think so. God the Son is my advocate. He's my, uh, my lawyer. He's, he's arguing my case before God. You think Satan's going to win? I don't think so. And the Bible says very clearly in the book of Malachi that God changes not. He can't change. He made the choice. By the way, all of our sins were future, every single one of them, when God died on the cross. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, every single sin you ever were going to commit was all future. He knew about it before you ever did it, and he already decided to love you. So you think that you're going to do something that's going to change his mind? So can God, does God love us? Absolutely. A God that loves us is going to take care of us. We also talk about, I mean, by the way, we understand how the power in the hands of someone that doesn't like us, that's a bad thing. But power in the hands of someone that loves us, that's good. Okay? We go on to, if any, fellowship of the Spirit. We have fellowship. The Bible talks in the first John, we have fellowship with God and with one another. By the way, the closer we get to God, it's kind of like the same thing. I'm sure pastors talk about this, about with uh, talking about people who are married. The closer the, the two of you get to God, it's like a triangle. The closer the two of you get to God, the closer you're going to be to each other. We have this fellowship together. We have this ability. By the way, this is a plug for coming to church. There is, I know there are people who can't. I understand that. But if you can be, this is the place to be. Why? Because the fellowship. The, the, the Church is so much more than just preaching and praying, and those are huge parts of it. But that's not all church is. Church is, is, is a testimony to the outside. outside. It's also a support system to be able to help those who are hurting. It's, it's so many things. We don't have time to go into it. The, the church is important, and that's where the fellowship comes in. We have that fellowship with God and with others. God wants to have fellowship with me. I don't get that. I'm praising him for it. But I don't understand why he'd want to talk to me, but he does. And so that's what we, we come here for. You have a problem? People aren't treating you properly? Go to him. He'll handle it. The last one there, it says, if any bowels and mercies. In the Bible times, you know, we have Valentine's Day. You have the heart-shaped candies. Not in the Bible times. In the Bible times, it was the gut. And I, I say it this way. You know, for you gentlemen, when, when you propose to that young lady, where'd you feel it at? Probably right about there. And I always, I, I proposed my wife was around uh, Christmas time, and, and I, was, I was shaking a little bit. I told her it was because of the cold, and that was partially true. You know? Where'd you feel that? Well, does God have that deep-seated emotion, that deep-seated love for us? Absolutely. So, you know what? You're going to have struggles. You're going to have conflict. But there's consolation in Christ. There's comfort of love. There's fellowship with the Spirit. There's vows and mercies. And he says, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. It's okay. You're going to go through struggles. You're going to have the attacks from the outside. But that's normal. 
You ever had it where you got a team and it's us against the world, you know? That helps. That's a motivation. We're, no one else is, is voting for us, but we're going to do it. You know what? We have God on our side. And we have the ability to come to him, and I guarantee you he can handle those problems. But we also have the internal struggles. I, you know, we have the different enemies of, the, of, of our soul. We have the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, you know, we live in it. We don't have to be a part of it. The devil, we know about him. We try to sneak away from him, try and keep away from him, fight him. And then there's the flesh. I always tell my kids, he's the spy on the inside. He used to work for the other guy, and he still is. He hasn't changed allegiance at all. He's still working for the other guy. The Bible says, these, these movies and the cartoons, it's a, follow your heart. Uh, no. Bad idea. Very bad idea. Why? Because it says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? You can't trust your own heart. Your heart wants what your heart wants, and it has nothing to do with your good. It's only for itself. It's going to have the pleasures of sin. There are pleasures for a season. And then the Bible talks about how it's like honey going down into your, into your mouth, and then it's like gravel in your stomach. It's great for a while, and then, mm. you know what? The, the flesh, it says right here, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. What's strife? Fighting. Like I said before, that example of the team. If you're fighting with each other, you're not fighting. And by the way, people like to do that, you know, divide and conquer. We're going to get people at each other's throats. I'm not going into it, but there's a lot of that going on in this country right now. Trying to get people fighting with each other because if you fight with them, you can't fight me. But you know what? The church shouldn't be like that. We're on the same team. We shouldn't be fighting with each other. The, the Corinthians, Paul was getting on them saying, what are you doing? You're taking your brother to court. This is a huge problem. Huge bad testimony. Why? Because we're the body of Christ. We shouldn't, I mean, if you see a guy who's sitting there and punching himself, he's either crazy or drunk, or maybe both. This is, I mean, you don't intentionally sit there and punch yourself in the face. It's not a good idea. But we tend to fight ourselves as Christians. It's like nothing be done through strife or vain glory. What's vain mean? Empty. Glory, it looks big, it's great, it looks incredible. If I have a balloon that's about this big, and I got a brick that's about that big, which way is more? The brick. Oh, but the, but the balloon looks better. I mean, it looks bigger, stronger, but it's not. And we tend to puff ourselves up and, you know, I'm pretty good. No, get out of the way. Many a time we've had, you know, I'm sure you understand, you get a team and this guy, he, he's not really good, but he has a good year. Now he thinks he's more important than he really is. And he starts getting the big head and it's all about me and he starts arguing with the team and there goes the team. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the team. It's about reaching people with the gospel. And my greatest enemy is me. I am the most, the, 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 the biggest enemy I've got is me. Because if I get the big head, I think that I'm pretty good. And then, you know, the Bible says, you know, take heed, he thinketh he's sand to take heed lest he fall. When I'm, you know, you're looking up like this, I'm pretty good. You, know. <laughs> you ever seen the videos like that? And we, we kind of chuckle like, hey, you deserve that. We do the same stuff, right? We tend to think we're so important. We're not. We are important because he made me important. Uh, we are a child of God, and that makes you important. There is nobody here that is not important. Well, I, I, I'm not really important, but you're part of the body of Christ. You are important. But you're not more important than the team. And the final example here, it says the great example of Jesus Christ. You want to find out, you know, you have 
these kids and they, they find the guy that who's, you know, their idol. They want to be just like him. You know, they had these, these kids that think, well, I can never learn Bible verses, but they know all the stats about their favorite player. They know exactly what his hair color is. They know who his girlfriend is. They know all this stuff. They want to be just like that person. Well, the Bible says here, you know, the greatest example is Jesus Christ. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, and the Jehovah's Witnesses love to use that. Aha, the form. See, no, the word means the exact copy. There's exact, he's God, okay? Being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What does that mean? The Greek word carries the idea you're holding on to something, grasping on to it. You ever had that, you heard that phrase, it's easy as taking candy from a baby? You ever tried it? Not easy. Why? You try and take that, ah! making you look all foolish. Why? Because the baby wants it. You know, if anyone deserved to be glorified, it's him, God. Jesus Christ deserved every single bit of praise. But he didn't do it. He took off the outer garment of his outside glory. He was still God, but he didn't show it. Except for the resurrection and the transfiguration, he didn't show it off. He says he had his rights. And every, these days, everyone's talking about justice. I demand my rights. You don't want what you deserve. You don't. If I got what I deserved, I would be in hell at this exact moment. I don't want my rights because what I deserve is not good. But you know what? Do you have the right not to be treated badly? Yeah. Do you have the right for someone not to yell at you and, and, and get mad when you try and tell them about the gospel? Yeah. Give up your rights. Give them up. It's not about your rights. It's about reaching people with the gospel. By the way, those people are not your enemy. I want to throw this in here real quick. They're not your enemy. The book of Ephesians, chapter 6, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rules of darkness of this world. This, the devil and his, his minions, those are our enemies. Those other people, including all this going on with the politicians and everything, guess what? They're not your enemies. They are people who have been kidnapped and brainwashed by the other guy to think they're on his team. Your job as a Christian is to go in there and rescue them from him as they attack you. Easy? No. Possible? Absolutely. But he says here, he gave up his rights. But not only that, he gave up his reputation. He says he was made of no reputation. He gave it all up. We are so worried about what people think about us that we're not willing to do what we're supposed to do because we're afraid, well, my friends will make fun of me or they'll yell at me. It's not the point. Like I said before, who cares what the opposing fans think of you? It matters what your team thinks of you. It matters what your fans think. It matters what God thinks. And I want to encourage you, give up your rights. Give up your reputation. Are we going to do some, th some foolish things? No. But the world thinks we're foolish anyway. Give up your reputation. Quit worrying about what other people think. and Worry about what God thinks. Because that's so much more important. He gave up his reputation. And he says, being found in fashion as a man, he made the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He sacrificed everything. He lost everything. Oh, it's bad. He lost it all. Well, how'd that turn out? Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. Things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the whole point. Reaching people with the gospel so God gets praised. That's the whole point. That's why we're here. He gave up his rights. 
He gave up his reputation. He gave up everything. He lost everything, and he got everything. That, that's the way it is with, with God's word. The world is backwards. Well, you, you, you got to go, you got to get for yourself. Take, take, take. God says, no, give. give. <laughs> it's all about you. Follow your heart. No, it's not about you. It's about God. Follow him. So I want to encourage you in this. I am not the perfect example of this. I'm trying, pray for me that I would be. But you know what? We're part of a team. And the job of the team is not to be the most important person. The job of the team is not to look great. The job of the team is not about me. It's about him. So I want to encourage you, give up those rights. Give up your reputation and realize that even though you have the attacks from the outside, it's okay. He can handle it. And you have the internal struggles, die to self. Get over yourself and realize it's not about you. Because in the end, when he gets to heaven and... We haven't, all haven't been faithful like we should be. But when we get there, I want to hear that. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Why? Because you did the job you're supposed to. I want to encourage you. Pastor, we're talking about today. We'll finish with this. It's not about you being successful. It's about the team being successful. The Bible says it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Well, they don't listen. You know, I, I witnessed that, that one lady that um, I mentioned before. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think it's in the prayer letter. But uh, Marcy, I witnessed to her before. She didn't get saved yet, but she got saved later. They may not get saved now, but I guarantee you, you're planting. And you guys understand better than I do. Planting takes time. You may be planting, you may be watering, but someday you're going to reap. It's worth it.